Hey guys, my name is Casey. And I'm Daniel. And we're a married couple who recently started a true crime podcast called Dancy True Crime. That's D-A-N-S-I True Crime. I enjoy myself some true crime, so we hope you do too. Come on over and check us out. We can't wait to see you guys there. We take turns on Who Tells the Story every week. Our episodes are posted every Monday at 12 p.m. Central Standard Time. To subscribe or follow, check us out on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Stitcher. Oh, don't worry, guys. We have a couple other places here. We are also available on Facebook, TikTok, and the Instagram. Our podcast is for mature audiences only. See you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, I just want to remind you to follow our Facebook page, join our group. It is Dancy True Crime. That is D-A-N-S-I True Crime. And also you can hear us on Anchor or Spotify. Please rate us and subscribe or follow um, and share our episodes. Message us on Facebook. Let us know what you think, what we could change, what we could do better. Um, you will, do you have anything you want to add, babe? No, I think you did it. You said it just perfect. So, <laughs> all right. Well, we hope you guys have a fantastic week and that you enjoy today's episode. We'll see you next week, guys. Bye. Hey guys, Casey here. I just wanted to remind you that if you want to see our research links or photos that we have, They will be posted on our Facebook page. They are posted at the same time as our podcast on Anchor and Spotify. That is every Monday at 12 p.m. Central Standard Time. So we hope to see you guys there. Warning, the following is intended for mature audiences only. Your discretion is advised. Hey guys, I'm Casey. I'm Daniel. And we are Dancy True Crime. How are you this week, Daniel? Oh, doing good. It's been, yet again, another busy week. It always is. Oh. We got all the kids and work and everything else. So oh, we're yes. gonna, always going to be busy. It was a good week. We got a lot accomplished. We did. And the house is starting to feel more like home, so that's definitely, I like it. I do too. So, how was your week, though? It was good. I did a lot of deep cleaning and stuff and got some stuff done. And like you said, the house is looking much better. Yes. Much more like home. And we got we started the fence today. Yes. And and that, we're about to have a privacy fence up. So, I'm super stoked about that. And that's another thing that really makes it feel more like home. Because we uh, actually... Yeah. We have two dogs and they just... One of them just does not like the leash at all. No matter what we do... You know, and so it's just, it's going to be so much better for yes, them. So they is. can just go out and run around and, and stuff. So fun. It does involve very young children. Okay. Well, it, it, what you said it was the youngest serial killer, right? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, it's going to involve somebody young. So, so we're just going to, for right now, I'm just going to let you know that all the victims were young. When everything happened, he was actually seven, but when it was... 
all said and done, he would have been eight when he got arrested. But he would be caught in 2007. And the person that we are talking about is Amarjit Sada. And he was born in the village of Musharhar in Bihar, India. Okay. Now, he would be one of four kids to his parents. I'm not sure where at he would be falling in there. So the parents worked in the town of Bagar Sari in Bihar, India. And his dad was a laborer. Where they were at, it was just one of those things where it's kind of hard for them to make ends meet. Now, okay. some of the sources that I found, it so it's was... basic poor family in India. Yes. Okay. And in the village that they live in, it's a lot of family. They do have some friends, but it's more or less cousins, aunts, uncles, and that kind of thing. Right. Okay. So they, they all try to take care of each other. They try to help each other out. They do have a local school. They got a local daycare. It's just, yeah, everybody just tries to help out where they can. Right. Here's the thing, because I I looked through at least probably five or six different sources, and pretty much about 85 to 90% of the sources were giving different information on the age range of the victims. Okay. So I'm going to state where, at least with two of the sources on the ages, All just right. to kind of give you a feel, but I feel more comfortable on the older one because I, I did listen to a couple of the podcasts and they did give kind of the older age range young mr sada he was the age of seven when everything started according to the crime wire all three victims were infants so we're talking between like six and eight months old oh but this is where it gets kind of iffy because according to mirror.co the age range is from six months to six year old, six years old. Okay, and that's why I want to. I'm pretty much sticking with Mirror.co because even one of the podcasts I listened to, they were talking about his cousin that was the first victim was six years old. Okay, so the six year old cousin was his uncle's daughter. All right, and now it doesn't exactly say what all they were doing, but the cousin came over. They were playing. The uncle, I'm not sure where he was at. But they were all kind of just having fun, doing their own little thing. And before you know it, Amajit and his cousin ended up in the woods playing some more. And just out of nowhere, he decides he's going to assault her, hit her with a stone, and kill her. Wow. So just a year younger than him would bury a shallow grave. That's insane. We have a seven-year-old Yeah. here. Like... I could not imagine her ever doing something like that. She's just so, yes, she's a girl and she's whiny and she fights with me a lot and, you know, but I could never see her actually physically hurting anybody. Right. And that's, we'll get more into that later because it's, because I'll ask you a few questions, but. Can I ask if there was any like abuse in the home? It is. With it being an international case, I looked and looked and. Literally, in all the sources that I found, they were all, the story was all the same. Okay. So, so it's probably some kind of um, translation thing then. It will talk a little bit more later, but it could be more psychological yeah. too. It's just, it, it doesn't really say. Okay. So unfortunately, I don't know if there could have been something going on in the household. I know it, he did have issues because of being in a low-income housing area. Okay. There was four kids and with his parents not making much money 
the food rations was kind of scarce. Right. That could take a factor into it. He gave her a shallow grave. and He even buried her? Yeah. Wow. Took And he just went back to the village and just kind of went on his way. His uncle comes by. He's like, hey, where's my daughter? Amarji had no problem. He's just like, oh, I killed her. Took him right to the grave and yeah. What? Yeah. Did the dad do anything? You will just have to wait a couple okay. more minutes and um, we, we will get into that. Okay. But for right now, though, nothing would happen. Wow. Yeah. I'm not for sure how much longer later, but the second victim now is going to be none other than his eight-month-old sister. Wow. Just a little baby. Just a little baby. Sada was not happy at all that there was another child, as because of having another child, he would not be getting as much to eat. Right. Parents are gone. His dad's doing his thing. His mom, as far as I know, I think she was working as, I don't think a laborer, but she was still working too. And Sada, little Mr. Sada was kind of just watching his sister and... At seven years old, he babysat his baby sister. Yeah. It was just a whole community. They wow. just kind of did their own little thing. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. I couldn't imagine letting Lucy watch an eight-month-old. Unfortunately. I won't even let her hold an eight-month-old without me literally right there. Unfortunately, though, it it gets better, as they say, but not really. It gets worse. Okay. And it, it's going to be it's gonna be hard. But for this one, though, he he pretty much wants to spend time, as they say, with his sister, air quotes here, if you're not seeing us on. But yeah, he decides also with his little sister, he's going to take her into the woods. And she was crying. And for some odd reason, he was he was sick in the head. He liked to see the struggle see the tears so she was crying because she was either either hungry or missing her mom or something so needed a diaper change yeah you know? yeah so he probably just tries to get her calmed down but then once he sees that she's calmed down he does not like that and physically abuse her wow and then he would take a brick i believe it was again to end her life wow that's insane like but he would also make another small grave. Yeah, he's sick in the head, apparently, at seven years old. That is absolutely freaking insane. Yes, but it, the story goes about the same. He goes back. He's doing his own little thing. His mom comes home from work. Hey, where's the baby? Just nonchalantly. Oh, I killed her. Takes her out to the grave. They find the baby. I couldn't imagine coming home to one of my kids saying, Oh, I killed my sister. Here's her grave. And still again. Now, we're already at the third victim. And I would imagine it's a couple months later since this happened over the course of two years between 2006 and 2007. I just don't understand how the uncle didn't do anything and now the mom didn't do anything. Oh, I'll get into it here shortly, though. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yes. Now, his last victim was just a few months younger. Six month old baby girl called Kushbu. I love the name. I didn't see any pictures, but just... The, That's a pretty name. It is. It is. And now she just was one of the neighborhood kids. It'd be nice to be able to do some stuff around the house without 
right kids mommy i need this mommy i need that you know right or going behind me and messing everything back up but you know kids are going to be kids yeah so i'm just saying it would it that, that's nice to have you know i mean yeah she's a six-month-old baby but i remember what it was like to be a six-month-old baby heck i probably would have been happy just to have somebody watch her so i could take a nap right <laughs> you know anyway sorry no 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 you're good now i don't know how many kids were at this daycare or how many adults they had to watch the kids okay amarjeet is there at the daycare just i don't know if he's just kind of hanging out or whatever but he would end up kidnapping kushbu oh and take her to a field and i guess this is just his signature kill because he would end up assaulting her by strangling her and using a brick and for a third time would dig a shallow grave Later on, when Kushbu's mother would come by to pick her up, yes, you guessed it, little Mr. Sada was nearby when Kushbu's mom was like, well, where's my daughter? And none of the workers knew. And he's just like, oh, yeah, follow me. I'll, I'll show you. Wow. But finally, though, Kushbu's mom would report what had happened to the local police. See, and that's what should have happened in the beginning, and then the other two wouldn't have even happened. Yes and no. Now, Sada was eight when the cops were involved, and he would be taken in and be questioned. Now, when he would be when he was questioned, all he could do was just sit there, kind of nod his head, yes and no type thing, and just smile. He was smiling? Yeah. Now, this part's really going to get you. You've been asking, okay, so why wasn't the cops involved or this, that, and everything else? Now, it was said that the Sadaw family actually knew about the first two murders, but they had chose not to say anything to the police because it's a family matter. <laughs> I get that it's a family child that killed your daughter on both aspects, you know, his sister, but I don't understand how that's a family matter when he's literally murdering them and burying them in a shallow grave yeah and i don't know if it's just because of their culture that's not a family issue. no but with all that being said with it being a family matter of course the cops they didn't do anything about it because the family air quotes there had taken care of it but obviously they didn't right now one of the psychologists at the time of the capture had said that quote little mr sada had no sense of right or wrong so wow at that young age yeah i mean he doesn't really he's not really old enough to understand what the measure of what he's doing right yeah he, he may have just thought that I mean, he was yes, playing with sick the, in the head but that's not okay right so now over there in india be jailed or sentenced to death so according to mirror.co i'll go and read this these two little sections because this is I thought this um, this information was important, so okay. it's definitely in the links as well. But according to Mirror.co, I'm going to read a couple sentences here, verbatim. A child cannot be jailed or sentenced to death under Indian law. So Sada was thought to have been detained in a child's home in a town of Munger in Bahar until he was 18. It is understood to have been released in 2016. And his current whereabouts are unknown. By now, with it being 2023, he's right around 25. And from the sources that I have found, his name has 
been changed and he's doing his own thing. So we don't know what he could be doing. Wow. Yes. And it was also stated in a couple of their sources and I believe even on some of the podcasts that he didn't even commit these murders. He would have been the scapegoat and it would have been somebody else doing the killings and they just tried to blame it on him. But he admitted it and he was laughing about it. Right. But yet again, he... But at the same time, what happened to his cousin and his sister could have, you know, that could have just been what the parents told him. Exactly, to tell. Because it's a family matter, as they want to say. Right. And then with Kushboo, it is hard to say. Irregardless, you know, a child killing infants and a younger sibling by a year that's just it's it's hard and it's it's a shame but that's all i could find on this case though and I that's mean, just that's interesting it was an interesting case and i i looked and i looked and i looked but unfortunately there was just not much more information like i've seen a lot of cases where everything is exactly the same on every single page and it's really hard to get an entire episode out of it which is why bum 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 (laughs) which is why we decided today for this week's episode to go ahead and add episode 19 to it so it's going to be a two for one two for one for episode 18 and then the next episode will be episode 19 like normal Mm -hmm. and another reason why we're kind of doing it like this too is just to kind of give you guys a feel for us doing two cases in one episode we were talking about doing two cases in one every week or potentially trying to do two cases a week and just posting it twice a week so you guys tell us what you think if you like it the way we have been doing it and, and just do, we can either do it the way we've been doing it and still do the once a week where we do a single episode or we can do like we're doing today just let us know either yeah. shoot us a message on facebook email us however you want to do it we're going to put a poll on this and you guys tell us what you want us to do how long are we gonna have that poll up for let's leave it up until thursday till thursday all right that'll give us plenty of time to get everything set up for next week all right sounds good Okay, so my case, as we had drawn last week or spun the wheel last week, the murder of Vera Jo Riegler. Now, she was born on July 11th, 1986, so she was a cancer, which, if you know me, so am I. I was born July 2nd of 92, so she was only six years older than me. Just shy of six years older than me, actually. So, she was a beautiful blonde girl, and she loved to sing along to country music and hang out with friends, which... Sounds like my wife here. (laughs) She loves her country music. I do, but I I like all music, but country definitely takes the top. Yes. (laughs) Always. Yes. It just really depends on what mood I'm in, but there's always a country song that's going to make me happy definitely so before we get too far though into this unless you're gonna let us know later where is this taking place at this is taking place in ohio oh and i'm gonna tell you a little bit about what she went through um during her life before everything that happened happened okay trigger warning for those of you who have children or like me are very um protected against all children this case does involve children and it's it is going to be kind of a rough one yeah okay yeah 
this this case is extremely sad and it, it's disgusting and it should have never happened. Ninety nine point nine percent of murder should have never happened. But well, I'm that's prepared. beside the point. Yeah. <laughs> when Vera was eleven years old, she was unfortunately molested by her father, William E. Regal and Junior, and he was given a twenty year sentence for that. So he's already been out for yeah, a while. Yeah, he's out. I couldn't find anything on where his whereabouts though. Okay. Now, but Vera had ADHD, which I have two kids with ADHD, so you know, I can kind of I understand that. Here's the thing. ADHD, yes, it can be debilitating. But with Vera, there's got to be something other than ADHD in my opinion on that because I have ADHD, you know, and I'm, I Maybe just it don't. just affects everybody differently or Well, I mean, form? yeah, it does, but I've just, I've never seen ADHD debilitate somebody that badly. Okay. And you hey, know, just have keep doc- that in mind that she did have the mind of an 8 to 12 year old and if there's anybody out there that has that knowledge and can maybe break it down to us please let us know yeah we can let our viewers know so despite low reading and math skills she was able to take special classes and earn her finley high school diploma in 2005 that's a good year that's when i graduated (laughs) (laughs) so and that was only what a year late because you were born in 87 yes so you know that's good. Yeah. And she had a baby out of wedlock with a boy who was six years younger than her. Okay. When, now, when they got together, she was 19 and he was 13. Okay. But again, her and Zachary Brooks, who was 18 at the time of the baby birth, um, had been on again and off again for the past five years. So, 19 to 24 when she died. Okay. And 13 to um, 18 Okay. when she died. So, her mother and stepfather, unfortunately, moved away a few years prior, and so she ended up moving in with the Brooks family. Today, that family lives in a two-story house, a picture window facing the four-lane road, and it features dusty, menacing dolls, including Chucky of horror films. Oh, gosh. So, now I'm going to tell you the backstory on Zachary's mom, and Zach is the father of her baby the one that she was with on and off again for five years okay so her name is sherry and she was known as the sugar babe sherry was mother of nine children oh my gosh yes my sister has 10 so yeah to i i I feel where this mother's coming from to have nine children but go ahead and okay so again she's a mother of nine children which she lost her first five born children to the state, one at a time. Sounds about for blatant sexual abuse. Different circumstances, but I definitely this this is hitting even further to home. I'm sorry. It's okay. Gotti, her first child, was the product of an ancestral relationship with her first cousin who was mentally disabled. So she took advantage of him. Oh gosh. She also gave birth to Michael, Maria, Joshua, and Sherry. So she basically named a daughter her name. So she basically had a junior. Yeah. Okay. So the state removed one-year-old Maria from the home after learning that she had been raped at one years old. Mm -hmm. No. 
baby Sherry never even got to go home to them as she was placed in foster care when she was born. Her next four children, Kevin, Zachary, who was the father of Vera's baby, Garth, and Chucky, were not removed from the home, despite all the, the abuse surrounding the removal of the first five children. Well then. Kevin Brooks Sr. is the father of the children and, like, of the last four children. Okay. And Sherry's new husband. She was well-known in and around Finley, Ohio, and everyone referred to her as Charles Manson. Oh, gosh. Yes. And he is a big name, which a lot of you guys know. Yes. That's a rough case in itself, but... I don't know if you've read into that and heard podcasts and stuff about it, but that is a rough case, too. I've heard of him, but I don't fully know, like, the complete, complete backstory. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if we'll end up maybe having our take on it, but there's, like you said, there's plenty. Maybe one day, but, I mean, I really like doing these cases that are lesser known. Yes, exactly. Prefer, like, in my opinion, I I do prefer those because people don't know those cases, and... Like, that's what I like to hear. I like to hear cases I've never heard. I don't like hearing the The same same cases over and over again. Right. But anyway, so she was referred to as Charles Manson, even though she was, he was not as dangerous as Sherry Brooks. So, yeah. Yeah. So she was the local meth dealer. (laughs) And she seemed to like that one a lot. She liked to be called Sugar Babe. Wow. Sherry was a bully, and that behavior even continued when she became disabled and confined to a wheelchair. That, wow. Yeah. She was a manipulator, a sadist, baby rapist, and half-assed woman who could easily convince her kids and others to answer her every command. Now, with her, does it give any of her background on what could have caused her issues no i'm getting into that right now so okay Okay. (laughs) sherry was actually abused by her father as a child beginning when she was just a toddler so she was removed from her home and she decided to continue having a sexual relationship with her father that continued that it even continued when she married kevin brooks senior which was her second husband. Then she decided that she's going to begin the cycle of abuse with her own kids. And that was witnessed by neighbors and family. I know this is a very rough case to do. After losing her own kids, she began to look for other women to have babies for her. So, <laughs> yes. So the other women that she chose were girlfriends of her sons. <laughs> she was basically trying to force them to have babies for her. Like surrogates or just... No. Like, she would force them to let her boys impregnate them. And then she wouldn't let them have anything to do with the baby. Just kidnap the kids after they're born. and I mean, they all live together, but she would keep the baby in her room and wouldn't let them do anything with them. Yeah. And were the, the kids too young that or too afraid of her to call the police? I mean, look at who she was. And, yeah. You know, oh. it just seems like nobody wanted to mess with her at all. Okay. Even if, in my opinion, even the police. Oh, gosh. And she probably had to, you'll, you'll probably get into it, but she probably just had to wait a very long time before she had that girl then, huh? So it doesn't really say 
you know, how long. Okay. The kids who remained in Sherry's care grew up and became members of the Crips. They all decided to get in the gang life. Yeah. Punky was the Finley area leader of the Crips, and he was killed in on August 5th, 2010, after a car slammed into him when he was walking down the street with his girlfriend. So, Sherry decided she was going to claim that Heather, which was his girlfriend at the time, caused the death of her son by saying that she pushed him in front of the vehicle, which wasn't true. But she wanted her to pay the price. She wanted, yeah, she wanted somebody to be responsible, which I feel the driver of the car should be responsible, but that's beside the point. Um, So, she paid one of Punky's friends to beat the hell out of Heather and sat back and watched it happen. We've seen this happen plenty of times. Yeah, on, on a lot of these. Yes. So, Zachary ended up becoming the leader of the Crips after his brother died. Oh, goodness. Again, Vera Jo moved in with him, and she found little peace there. Because Sherry was cashing Vera Jo's disability checks each month, and Vera Jo, sadly, in my opinion, sadly, because of what she went through. Um, soon announced her pregnancy. Sherry was overjoyed, and unfortunately, soon her and everyone else in the house began to treat Vera Jo poorly. Like, they treated her like completely crap. She was no longer welcomed or loved in the house, but instead, they treated her like a slave. Wait, just because she got pregnant? Just because at that point, what would, what else was she going to do? They wouldn't let her talk to her family. They told her her family didn't want nothing to do with her, even though obviously, you know, they knew nothing about it. So they moved. She decided she wanted to stay, so she stayed. So even before Vera Jo delivered the baby, Sherry told people that she was having a baby girl. She forced Vera Jo to drink several bottles of castor oil to to try to force her into labor so the baby would be born on her birthday. But Willa Dean, who is the baby. Interesting name. Yeah, Willa Dean. I'm, I really kind of like that name. Yeah, same here. That's yes. But she was born on November fourth, and that was the day after Sherry's birthday. Okay. Almost a month. Gosh. Yeah. So Sherry was just trying to make her have her on her birthday. That obviously was castor oil. Not only puts mom and baby in, at risk, even if you do it at full term, but the fact that she was doing this and ended up forcing her to give birth to a baby a month early. That's. That in itself is abuse and torture on not only the baby, but the mother. Right. And unfortunately, Willa Dean spent the first few weeks of life in the NICU. Aww. Which, in my opinion, that's the best few weeks of her life until we'll get to that. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Vera Jo absolutely loved and adored her daughter, Willa Dean. But she was never given the opportunity to be a mommy to her baby. Not even though, well, if she was in the NICU, she probably couldn't even hold the baby before they took her to the NICU. Yeah. So she wasn't allowed to touch her. And if she did, Sherry or her husband, Zachary, would beat her. Mm-mm. And so she was forced to clean the house, rub Sherry's feet while being secluded from everyone in the family. Oh. When Vera Jo attempted to leave, Sherry found out and had family members watch her closely. And she kept Willa Dean in her bedroom with her and she threatened to kill her if Vera Jo left. She didn't leave because of her baby. You know, she was protecting her child, which any mother would do. 
shoot this father right here i would do the same thing yeah being honest here heck yeah that's my i would do anything to protect my baby right and honestly if she had the right mind of a 24 year old she probably she would have left yeah i keep forgetting that because at that 8 to 12 year old mentality yeah she she doesn't know how to handle the situation and how to react she doesn't know any she she doesn't know that it's wrong right it makes me so mad you don't do that to people so Sherry, Zachary, and other members of the Brooks family began to be Virgo nearly every day. Why? What? Because hmm. they felt like it. Please just tell me it wasn't as bad as last week's. Which one did we do last week? <sighs> I knew you were gonna ask me. Um Hold up. Wait. Oh it's <sighs> Oh, Junko. Yes. No. Okay, so okay, it's so not it's as bad not, as... It's not as bad as Junko's case, but it is at the same time. Just in different aspects? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh! Yeah. It, it is in different aspects. The difference is Junko was abducted and kept there. She chose to be there and is now protecting these people as i will explain in a minute many people tried to help vera and called family services on her behalf and they knew all about the house of horrors known as the brooks home already they knew how bad it was Mm, and yet mm, they chose not to do anything yes so they knew that the home was filthy it had no running water and that the family urinated in a bucket. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So they literally lived in their own filth. And it gets worse here. They knew that they had a family pig living in the home. And about all of the kids who were removed from Sherry's care due to the sexual abuse. And they knew about the, the abuse that Vera Jo suffered. Yet, when police came to the home, Vera Jo lied to them. Forced to do so by Sherry because of course she was going to get beat regardless, but she, it would have been worse had she not lied. Which at the same time they probably would have gotten her the hell out of there too. Yeah, definitely. But she did again. She had the mind of an eight to twelve year old. She oh, child. Yes, I mean yes, she was twenty four, but mentally she was not. She was a small child. Wow. Yes. So after that, Sherry and Zachary began planning on how they could get rid of Vera Jo without losing Willa Dean. Hire so, a lawyer and put somehow get her to write a will stating, if I die, my daughter goes to you. Yeah, but then they would kill her anyway. So, I mean, yeah, but without it, getting the courts involved. Yeah. So, they some of their plans are maybe they would overdose her on the drugs or even leave her body tied to the nearby train tracks. You know, those are just some of the ideas that they had. So her cousin, Daniel Bixler, had been out of prison for three weeks after serving three years when he moved in with Sherry. Daniel's father was the first cousin of whom Sherry, one of Sherry's children, were. Danny and Scotty were technically cousins and half-brothers. Oh, gosh. As a professed killer, he and his 17-year-old girlfriend, Nicole Peters, decided... They wanted to experience the euphoria from killing someone. That's what you hear from a lot of these 
I don't understand where the euphoria comes from, but I'm also not a murderer. Well, not only that, but they just want to experience how it feels to kill somebody. And then they just go and do it. And that's what they'll tell the cops. Oh, I just, or their friends. Well, I just wanted to know what it felt like. Yeah. And that's a big thing on our big case we're working on. Yeah. Once you get to the confessions. Oh, yeah. That's. Yeah. But anyway. Nicole wanted a teardrop tattoo like her boyfriend. After all, you know, so Sherry knew that Daniel and Nicole were the perfect pair to help her pull off her plan and to rid her life of Vera Jo. Vera Jo was then tortured for four days. She was beaten sporadically during the days. Chucky had tied a padlock to the end of a belt. Each person in the family took turns beating her with the belt. And how long would this usually last? I mean, it didn't really say. They would just do it on and off throughout the day. Also, stomped on her head, which, like, why? So, her and her boyfriend would take breaks to have sex several times during the abuse. Oh, my gosh. They'd come out refreshed, ready to beat the hell out of her again. On March 26, 2011, Zachary, Danny, and Nicole forced Vera Joe to put on her shoes and take a walk with them. And Vera Joe cried and refused, but had no other choice because obviously they were just going to beat her anyway. She, a lot of people thought she probably knew what was coming. I mean, she wasn't allowed around the house and then all of a sudden they wanted to go on a walk with them after completely torturing her and beating her for four days straight. Yeah, no. As Vera Joe walked out of the the home, she said, quote, good night, sugar babe. (laughs) And those were the last words she ever said. That's recorded somewhere, which is really sad because that's like saying, good night, I'll never see you again. And that's exactly what happened. Oh. Yeah. So they walked Vera Joe to the railroad near the home where they began to relentlessly stab her with a kitchen knife. And Did they all stab her at the same time? I mean, it only says a kitchen knife, but I imagine they probably all had one mm. or they took turns stabbing her. Okay. So the knife was so dull that it barely protruded into her skin and they walked away, tossing the knife in the lake. They knew that the train would be by soon and hoped it would run her over and turn her into hamburger meat. Oh. So Vera Jo curled, curled in the fetal position and died in pain alone on the railroad track. And the train ended up not coming as expected and her body was found the following day. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. So the police obviously questioned the Brooks family. Jerry, of course, tried to blame the murder on Vera Joe's black boyfriend, but obviously he didn't exist. She wasn't allowed out of their sight, let alone have a black boyfriend. I mean, nothing against any race at all and i never will have anything against any of them there's no reason to we all bleed red but sorry anyway police found a mound of evidence in the home including nicole's bloodied shirt a belt and a lock of vera's hair because they were beating her with it and that was gonna be a next question if how they found them if it was through dna or just well just There's more evidence than that. So, video surveillance showed Zachary walking Danny, Nicole, and Vera Jo to the train tracks that evening. Very nice. There was security cameras. Yeah. I mean... This must have been like an Amtrak then. 
Well, I mean, you got to think that this was in 2011. 2011 so, I mean, people had cameras on their, do- their doors back true, then, I'm so sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. I'm, it's hard to say where they found I them. like when videos, cameras are involved. Well, yeah. Because, you know. So, Danny and Nicole confessed to the murder and were obviously taken into custody Good. immediately. They told police that Sherry gave Yerjo drugs and talked them into killing her, even giving them instructions on how to carry it out. Now, whether or not that's true, nobody really knows. Mm. But they ended up taking plea deals, and Danny was sentenced to 40 years to life for murder. Oh, gosh. And Nicole received 23 years in prison on a conspiracy charge. So, I'm assuming that she didn't actually stab her because she was there. She helped plan it, but I... You know, she helped beat her, stuff like that. But, I mean, the fact that she didn't, you know, and or Danny just took up for her. Who, right. know, who knows? So, Sherry wasn't charged with anything. Um, she should have been at least an accessory. Yeah. Because it's been premeditated. There's threats, I should say. Numerous threats. Well, not only that, but when they confessed and they took the plea deal, they flat out told them that Sherry was the one, but... Her and her husband, Kevin Brooks, and another son were convicted of selling prescription drugs in 2014, so three years later. And she spent, Sherry spent 10 days in jail for contact with a minor minor while awaiting trial. In 2015, she was sentenced to 40 months in federal prison. And unfortunately, this waste of space is now out of prison. Oh my gosh. And I, I, you know, I don't usually talk to people like, talk about people like that but yeah yeah <laughs> that's how i feel the officers were called to the house at least 10 times over two years because of complaints about harassment threats child abuse neglect fighting and poor living conditions police had also went there to escort a social worker inside to check on vera joe and baby Willadine. and they would report that the house was filthy it smelled terrible and in part was because there was a pig living there, defecating in the closet. That gets me that they had a pig living in their house, a legit pig. Yeah. On January 21st, so right before she died, a woman told police Virjo was being held against her will and was not allowed to go outside of the house or be involved with her baby at all, according to a police report. The woman had said that Brooks... The, <laughs> The woman had said that the Brooks family kept Vera Joe because she received social security disability checks, which identified the woman as someone who lived elsewhere, according to the report. But she didn't have the right to spend it because it was not her money to spend. So Hill reported that officer saw Vera Joe's face was bruised and cut and appeared that she had a broken nose at the time. But surprise, surprise, children's services is no help with i'll keep my comments to another episode and we can have a whole discussion on that if we want they like to take away kids that don't deserve to be taken away and they like to let parents who don't deserve kids keep their kids and it's ridiculous but anyway that's beside the point which again she didn't have anywhere else to go they had her baby and they told her that if she left they would kill her baby so she's doing what she had to do to protect her baby. I can't believe they were still hanging that over her head. Which obviously they wouldn't have. They would have just did what they were doing already. Yeah. Officer Hill re- 
reported that she, quote, told Vera that if she needed any help, she would help her. She insisted she was fine. I asked her if she thought this environment was healthy and safe for her in Willardine. She stated that she thought she was. I had pointed out all the hazards I could see with just this room. She looked around the room and said this was all she needed. And that was all quoted by Officer Hill. Oh, wow. So, during this conversation, again, January 21st, Hill had noticed the pig. Quote, I turned and looked, and there was a pig in the closet. The pig looked at it as though it may have been very young. However, it was fairly large, approximating his weight at 100 pounds. The pig was confined to the closet by a piece of plywood that was about two feet high. The pig had his front legs and head on top of the plywood, It was clear the animal was using the space as a toilet as well. And again, that was all by Officer Hill. Three days later, police returned with a children's services worker. Officer Sean Nungister reported, quote, When we opened the door, a very, very foul smell was coming from inside the house. I wonder why. The house was very dirty, and it did not appear that the Brooks family owned a vacuum for the carpets. While there... He also saw a cockroach on the wall near the front door and another on the floor in front of the TV. Here's a little bit on Daniel, one of the guys, the main guy that killed her. I think he was probably the only one that stabbed her. Okay. It's what I'm getting because of the fact that she got, I mean, yeah, she got 23 years, but it was on conspiracy. True. But, I mean, her husband only got a few years, but that was because it was just obstruction of justice or whatever. Yeah. So, I'm assuming that it was Danny. He was 21. And he was from Tifton, Ohio, and he was released from prison on March 3rd. Willadine was adopted by a loving family, for those of you who are wondering about the baby. Okay. So, as you know, as a baby, she got adopted. Good. So, I wanted to give you guys some fun facts about this case because I just wanted to try to... Help lighten the mood and just... Yeah, help lighten up this thing and do a little bit different. So... These are fun facts about things that happened during Vera's life. Okay. So, in 1986, in the year that she was born, on January 28th, the Space Shuttle Challenger exploded 73 seconds after launch, and all seven of the crew members died. The cause of the explosion was later found to be a failed O-ring the O-ring failure was due to the unusually cold conditions at Cape, Cape Canaveral. <laughs> so, in 1990, at the age of just four years old, Vera was alive on April 24th when the Hubble telescope was launched into space after long delays due to the Challenger explosion. An optical flaw was found within weeks of launch, but was fixed within three years. The discoveries made possible by the Hubble have been contributed to the scientist's understanding of the universe. Whatever that means. I'm not a scientist. I don't know. (laughs) So, in 1991, when she was only five, when on January 16th, Allied forces began the first phase of Operation Desert Storm. Saddam Hussein's forces had previously invaded the sovereign state of Kuwait and the f- focus of operation was to remove his Iraqi troops from Kuwait. 
On February 24th, the ground war began between 100 hours and American ground troops declared Kuwait liberated. In 93, Bira was just 7 years old when on February 26th, a truck bomb exploded in the garage under the North Tower of the World Trade Center. While the bomb didn't do what was planned, collapsed which was collapsed the North Tower into the South Tower. It did kill six people and injured thousands of people. And last but certainly not least, in 1999, at the age of 13, Vera was alive when the fear that Y2K could cause the failure of computers worldwide when clocks didn't properly update on January 1st, 2000, became near panic. While some computer systems and software did have problems, the panic was unfounded and computer life obviously went on. That is the case of Vera Jo Riegler. How do you feel about that? Because I, that was a Uh, really, really super hard case for me. That was very hard. I'm just glad that they got put away. Yeah, me too. They probably, in my opinion, some of them should have had more time, but they came forward, they pled guilty, so not trying to give them any credit by no means, but you got to give them a little credit for owning up to you. Right, but I mean, they what they did was still disgusting right. and there's, uncalled for. Yeah, there's no right, there's so, no reason to be doing all that. Yeah. Since we both just did our cases that you guys knew about, we're going to spin the wheel again. And Daniel's going to spin it first. I'm going to go ahead and shuffle, 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 shuffle. And go ahead and spin the wheel. All right. Here we go. Ooh. Oh, this is interesting. So I'm going to be doing one called Bible John. Interesting. I have not heard about this one. I feel like there's a Crime Junkie episode on it. Somehow I feel you're right. I feel like there's a Crime Junkie episode. So I, he gets to do Bible John, and myself, I'm shuffling here. I'm going to go ahead and spin the wheel. Get the one I really wanted. Which one did you want? The one we were talking about earlier, Ed, Ed Gein. Oh, the Ed Gein. Yeah. And I got Jesse Pomeroy. I haven't heard about it. If this is, is this male, female? I'm not sure. Okay. So I'll wait till next week. Yep, you're going to have to wait till next week. So, so Jesse Pomeroy was requested by our buddies over at Dark Windows, Kev Carlton. Okay, so Bible John was one that I had found when I just searched up um, okay. unknown or lesser known murders and stuff like that. I just was looking. Okay. So, you get Bible John and I have Jesse Pomeroy. Looks this like so. We'll tell you guys about all about them next week. So, yeah, those that's who we're going to do next week. Awesome. And then also, we had something kind of cool happen this last week. Someone randomly messaged us on our Dancing True Crime Facebook page. I think it was either Monday or Tuesday. Something like yeah. that. Or I know. I feel like it was last weekend. Maybe. Well, either way, it was within the last. Yeah, but anyway, they week. just randomly messaged us somebody that we'd never talked to before messaged us and said that he was giving us a shout out in their podcast and i was like instantly you know i was like oh that's so awesome you know i'm like i'll go listen to your podcast obviously you know you're giving us a shout out i you know i want to know what your what kind of podcast you have 
and I literally binged their podcast while at work all week. I finished it. It was only 20 episodes so far, so they're right around where we are. Okay. Um, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I laughed a lot. It was very informative. There was a lot of cool things they do. So they do like true crime, paranormal, and weird history mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And who who is this uh, podcast? So it's called the Macabre Emporium okay. podcast. And the gentleman's name is David. And, and David and Sarah. Yes. They're a married couple as well. Um, so if you guys want to hear that, go over there and listen to them. You can listen to on on Spotify. That's where I've been listening. Really, to just that's where I listen to any podcast. Really. Yeah. Um, so you guys can go ahead and listen to them on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. So thanks David and Sarah for the shout out. We'll put their link down in our show notes and on our Facebook page that you guys can go follow them Yes. or, you know, go listen to their podcast. And it's actually cool. Cause so, yeah, so we not only have Kevin Carlton from dark windows as a mutual friend, but we also have Justin Rimmel from mysterious circumstances. And I've heard a few of his podcasts, and he's been on with the boys at Dark Windows. They've done some collaborations as well. So I thought that was pretty cool that, you know, they're they're definitely good mentors. They're trying to help us that are just starting out. So yeah. it's, it's definitely cool. And then also, while you were finishing your case tonight, I had been talking to both the Kevins, Justin and David, about maybe because there was a post that we saw on Facebook today talking about a burger at Wrigley Field. So Justin's like, yeah, I'd go down there in a heartbeat. And Kevin's like, oh, yeah, just for the food kind of thing. So I was like, you know what? Us and Justin and David, we're all just a couple hours away. I know for Kevin to be a drive. So I was like, hey, guys, you know, what if we were to, you know, try to meet up at a game? Yeah. Get everybody involved, have this burger or whatever, and then try to meet up and be able to go out either before or after the game. And just talk podcast. That'd and be maybe awesome. even do an episode. So yeah. there's no promises, but we're going to see about this year trying to get up to Wrigley, check out a game. And then if possible, come October, if you and I can make it work, even go out to Vermont That'd and be check awesome. out the Kevins. Or even I mean, that would be nice too. Or even, you know, they were talking about going to Tennessee soon too. And right. that, that would be really awesome. Because we were talking about going to Tennessee, yeah. so that would be kind of cool if we would be able to, if like we were going at the same time, then we'd all be able to meet up and right. do a collaboration. Yeah, because just to meet up and be able to have that conversation with other podcasters. Right, like that would be awesome. Especially ones that have been doing this for, because Dark Wind has been doing this, I believe, about five years now. And for Justin, I'm not for sure, a couple of years, and then with david and sarah they've been doing this just like two months longer than we have or something i believe their first episode was like the first week of october last year i believe yes i think so so but yeah i thought that was very very interesting for this last week and a lot of you know it was good news it was very informative we also wanted to remind you guys that if you go to reaperapparelco.com and enter dancing true crime in the discount code then you will get 10% off. Or if you go down and click our link tree and click on the Reaper Apparel Co. on that, then you will get 15% off of your order. Or if you want some Christian apparel, it's uh, seekjesus.com. Enter Dancing True Crime in the discount code box and you'll get 15% off. 
or you can go to JustStrong.com with the discount code of CASH00410 for a discount code of 10% off. I have been raving about the hoodies from Just Strong and Seek Jesus. We have a t-shirt from Reaper Apparel Co., which I love. We're waiting on more hoodies coming in soon, and we're super stoked. They will be on our TikTok soon, and yeah. Well, very nice. All right, so again, guys, let us know how you liked how we did things for tonight, if that's something you want us to continue to do, or if you rather us go back and forth at how we had been doing it, or even doing two episodes a week, as Casey had said. Yeah, we can record them separately and post them separately. Yeah, but just either email us, dancytruecrime at gmail.com, that's D-A-N-S-I, true crime, or you know, send us a message on our Facebook page. Or Instagram. Or Instagram, or t- yes. Well, I don't really check the messages on TikTok. Okay. But definitely Instagram, Facebook, and DanceEatsYourCrime at gmail.com. Awesome. And again, for all of those, it is D-A-N-S-I, True Crime. Awesome. Well, I don't so, believe I have anything else then for this week. Me neither. I think it's time to... Call it a night. Call it an episode. All right. So, again, I'm Casey. I'm Daniel. And we are Dancing Through Crime. Hey, guys. Casey here. I just wanted to remind you that if you want to see our research links or photos that we have, they will be posted on our Facebook page. They are posted at the same time as our podcast on Anchor and Spotify. That is every Monday at 12 p.m. Central Standard Time. So we hope to see you guys there. Hey guys, I just want to remind you to follow our Facebook page. Join our group. It is Dancy True Crime. That is D-A-N-S-I True Crime. And also, you can hear us on Anchor or Spotify. Please rate us and subscribe or follow um, and share our episodes. Message us on Facebook. Let us know what you think, what we could change, what we could do better. Um, Do you have anything you want to add, babe? No, I think you did it. You said it just perfect. (laughs) All right. Well, we hope you guys have a fantastic week and that you enjoy today's episode. We'll see you next week, guys. Bye.